Hey, and welcome to Generation Changers Church Podcast. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Barry Smith. If you've been around Generation Changers Church very long, you know that I believe there are three things that govern and guide every entity toward their destiny. And that is mission, vision, and culture. Our mission as a church is to change generations with the love and message of Jesus Christ. And our simplified vision and the way we do that is simply we are here to reach the lost, to make disciples, and to meet needs. And our culture is comprised of a couple of things. First of all, it is comprised of a common core of beliefs. We rally around uh, the Scripture and the things that it says about who Jesus is, who the Father is, who the Holy Spirit is. But it's also made up of a set of core values to which we all commit. And we're going to talk about those over the next several weeks. But this go-round, we're not going to talk about them as a group of people embracing these core values. But as individual followers of Jesus Christ, how to make these core values our life values. Because you're going to see as we talk about them, they're not indigenous to Generation Changers Church. They should be values that every Christian holds dear. Now, today we're going to talk about the first one, and that is what we call the Jesus passion. Jesus put us first. We put him first. Can I get an amen from somebody? This core value was embraced from the very first day that we gathered. Let me take you back a little over 20 years ago as my dad and I were having conversations about what kind of church this was going to be. I had grown up in denominations that were all about the denomination. And so I was very fiery in my passion that this church needed to be about the people. And my dad had come up in the same denomination and he was very powerfully uh, and very fiery in his passion when he said, son, it has to be about him saying, speaking of Jesus. So out of that private conversation, the culture of this church was shaped and it went like this, where Christ is our passion and people are our purpose. I want you to know that this is a church that's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and it will always be about Jesus. We want to know Jesus. We want to love Jesus. We want to worship Jesus. We want to serve Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. And we want to lead other people to Jesus. It's not about GC at GC Church. It's about JC, Jesus Christ. And it always will be. You know, the Bible says so much about putting Jesus first and so much around the fact that he is already first, whether we put him first or not. John tells us in John chapter 3, he who comes from above is above all, speaking of Jesus. Romans says he's the firstborn among brothers. Corinthians says he's the head or the first of every man. Revelation said he's the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of all kings. Here's the deal. Let's read in Colossians uh, chapter 1 verses 17 and 18. And he is before all things, that means he's first, And in him, all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I'll say it again. Jesus is first, whether we put him first or not. 
that is his position. He can occupy no other place in the universe. But here is the unbelievably beautiful part. Although Jesus is and always has been first, because of his great love for us, turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. Because of his great love for us, listen, he carried a cross he did not own, he paid a debt he did not owe, and he died a death he did not deserve. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but your will be done, he put my salvation before his own safety. He put our redemption before his own reputation. And although he despised the shame of sin and that of a criminal's cross, he willingly endured that shame so that we may be saved. Jesus put us first. That's why we put Jesus first. Wow. That sounds like a great idea. But what does it mean to put Jesus first? I believe Jesus himself answered that question when he spoke to his disciples. The Bible says in Matthew 16, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. What a difficult scripture this is. The first thing Jesus says, if you want to come after me, if you want to passionately pursue me, if you want to put me first, then the first thing it's going to include is self-denial. A very unpopular, undertaught principle of the Christian experience today. All of us hear about all the great things God wants to do for us and how God wants to bless us. And guess what? That is true. Our Father loves us and He delights in blessing His children. But there is a call to the Christian for that of self denial. See, and that's why. It is completely the opposite of a culture that's all about self. For this culture we live in today is about loving yourself. I just have to fit this in because it makes such a great story. I had to tell it. But my, I, I was at one of our favorite restaurants with my absolute favorite girl. She's the lady that preached or, or prayed for me before I preached this morning. And we were sitting in pretty close quarters to a table where there was a couple that we're pretty sure was on a date. Maybe their first and definitely their last. <laughs> I hope he don't go to this church because he's going to be real offended today, okay? And I don't want to offend anyone. This guy talked about himself the whole time. If they talked about a subject, he said how well he did on the test of that subject. If they talked about another subject, he talked about how he excelled at that subject, it was like he was 007, international man of mystery or something. To hear him talk, I felt like I should have gotten up and asked for his autograph. I really do. And she was trying to pretend that she was the least bit interested in all he was having to say. I came really close to asking for a sidebar with this guy. I really did. I wanted to say to him, dude, I called a woman, I actually have one, so you may want to listen to me. <laughs> Try something different. 
talk about her. Yeah, what? Somebody said. Uh, ask her about what she's great at. Ask her about what interests hers because all you're doing is talking about yourself. You seem so conceited, but you're pitifully insecure. Obviously, I didn't have that talk because I was not arrested. There was nothing in the papers about it because it probably would have upset him. But understand, the world culture is all about self, embracing yourself, having courage to be who you really are, whether it is scientifically or biologically even possible. That's the culture. Be whatever version of yourself you want to be. This is why the gospel is offensive to the culture today. The world is saying, be who and what you want to be. You do you. How many of you have heard that phrase? But the gospel of Jesus teaches something different. It's not about loving yourself. The gospel is about losing yourself. That's what the scripture says. Now, I'm not talking about changing your hair color, your personality, or other changes so that you will appear to be different. No, the word deny in the Greek is to lose sight of oneself or one's own interest. Jesus is talking about laying aside our own plans, our selfish ambitions, our personal pursuits. When Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he finds a couple of guys. Their names are Peter and Andrew. And they are casting nets out into the water. And Jesus says to them, follow me. And the Bible says immediately they dropped their nets. Now you must understand, for a fisherman, it was not just an occupation, it was an identity. It was what you were born to do and what you were going to do the rest of your life. And the Bible says they dropped their nets. He went a little bit further, and he came across James and John. And their, their father's name was Zebedee, and, and they were in his boat, and they were using his equipment. They were in the family business, and it was going to be their future. It was going to be their identity. But Jesus says, follow me, and I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. And they left the covering and the comfort of their father's boat. They walked away from their future employment. They walked away from their financial security. They denied who they were at their core so they could follow this man who would teach them to be something they could never become without him. Think about it. To embrace ourselves without Jesus is a very dangerous thing because all of us are born dreadfully and helplessly sinful. And that is the us we must deny to follow him. Jesus said in the next verse, if you try to save your life, if you try to embrace all that is your desire, that's when you lose it. The word lose in the Greek means to permanently destroy. That's why he says in the next verse, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Now, gaining the whole world is the idea of obtaining everything the world system values. Hear me obtaining all the temporary things that you desire. 
but losing your soul. In the Greek, it is sukai, which means this, sacrificing your true identity, giving up the very breath that God breathed into you, giving up the true you God intended for you to be. So if you try to hold on to your life, your own selfish pursuits, your own desires, and that's what you follow, you will end up completely destroying the life that God intended for you to live. You cannot follow Jesus without the principle of self-denial. That's one of the reasons we're in a 21-day fast right now. We're learning to deny our fleshly desires so we can be better followers of Jesus Christ. And by the way, the word himself in the Greek covers all pronouns. I know we're in a pronoun-crazy world right now. But it means himself, herself, itself, Look, look next to you and see if you're sitting to a, uh, next to an itself. Uh, you can determine. Or themselves. You know what that means? Nobody's exempt from self-denial in following Jesus. All of us are called to forsake our sinful self that we may, we may embrace something greater. And once we get to that part of self-denial... The next step Jesus calls for is complete surrender. Jesus said he has to deny himself and take up his cross. Can you imagine saying take up your cross to a Jew in that culture? Follow me now. It was unbelievably harsh. It was a symbol of the persecution of Rome. It carried the stigma of the criminal element. But Jesus says... Take up your cross. Deuteronomy said, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. There's a lot more than face value here, but at face value, following Jesus doesn't look too appealing. You've got to deny yourself. Then you've got to be willing to take up your cross. And literally, some people were called to carry a cross. Jesus had just told them of the suffering that he would have to endure. And Peter, out of his love for Jesus, says, not so, Lord. God forbid that this should happen to you. And that's where Jesus has the little conversation, get behind me, Satan. He recognized that it was the enemy speaking through Peter and not Peter himself. Boy, wouldn't that be good if we could discover that when we're having an argument or a disagreement with someone? Now listen, husbands, don't be a fool and go home and tell your wife, get behind me, Satan. She may only get behind you to hit you in the head, okay? But sometimes we just have to recognize when the devil's trying to work in something and not lay it to the charge of the person. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying. Get behind me, Satan. Listen now. They were familiar with the horror of crucifixion. Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. And many of them were literally martyred being hung on a cross that heard that statement that day. And they went to their own crucifixion willingly because they knew Jesus had said in Matthew 10, 38, who does, who does not take up or whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Wow. They were called to follow Jesus no matter the cost, even if it meant their life. So what does it mean for us to carry our cross? See, one that carried a cross did so 
in public submission to the will and authority of Rome. So for us to carry our cross means that we are to live with the weight of the will. Grab that cross, son. It's heavy. That's why I let you do that illustration. Now, you're a strong young man, and you could probably hold that thing up for quite a while. But I guarantee if you carried it day after day after day, your back would bow. Your muscles would grow tired. You might even get weary. If this were a Roman cross, him carrying this cross means that he would live under the weight of the will and authority of Rome. And for a Christian to carry our cross means that our back will bend with the weight of the will and authority of the Father in all of our lives. We don't live the way we want to live. We don't do all the things we want to do. There's a weight pushing on us. There's something that God has in mind. When somebody carried the Romans' cross, they were submitting to the will and authority of God. And when Jesus called us to carry our cross, he says, you are going to live with the weight of the will and the authority of God over your entire life. I want you to understand that's not preached much anymore in the gospel. But when you come to follow Jesus, you are to deny yourself, and then you begin to live with the weight of the will and authority of God over your life in every area of your life. As a condemned man completely surrendered to the will and authority of Rome, we live completely surrendered to the will of the Father. Our life must be about his will no matter the cost. See, carrying a cross is not about enduring some sickness or some difficulty. Carrying a cross is about living in obedience to him no matter what you face. I've heard people say, well, my cancer is just my cross. No, I believe Jesus carried that to his cross. Your cross is whether you have cancer or don't have cancer, you live obedient to him. Is this a little bit deeper water than we expected today? Is this a little bit more challenging than maybe what we thought we would face? But understand, your cross is not your circumstance nor your sickness. Your cross is your obedience to God regardless of what you may face or endure in this life. Wow. For Jesus, the will of God included a literal cross. And I'm so glad he prayed, not my will, Father, but yours be done. I'm so glad because he prayed that prayer for my salvation. Understand that. For us, his will is for us not to bear a cross, but our cross is to bear his will. Every day. Jesus said before his crucifixion, no man takes my life, I lay it down. And understand there was an act of his will to surrender to his cross. God will not force his will on your life. He will not force his direction. He will make it known. He will arrange circumstances to point you in that direction. But there has to be an act of the will on the part of an individual to say yes to God. Wow. Let me just put it plain. We need to be willing to, change, or to trade 
our cultural crown for our Christian cross. We have to be more concerned with living to please God than pleasing the culture around us. I would rather live for God and be judged by the culture than to live for the culture and be judged by God. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of the, of the preacher that felt called to carry the cross all the way across America. And he would just walk everywhere you, he went, he was carrying a cross. And a lot of people thought he was crazy. And a lot of people ridiculed him for it. But he turned it into a ministry because when people saw him carrying that cross, they were reminded of the cross that Jesus bore in their behalf. And there's a lot of people that will think you are crazy for surrendering your life to the will of God when many times it includes some unknowns. And many times it includes some unpleasantries. But listen, don't worry about what people say along the way. Be more concerned with what God says at the end of the way. Well done, you good and faithful servant. <laughs> we need to be willing to be counted as a faithful believer in and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Self-denial, total surrender, and disciplined discipleship. This is something so missing in the Christian experience today. The word follow in the Greek means to walk the same road as a servant would accompany his master. We hear so much about Jesus walking with us. Jesus is with us. Hallelujah. But that theology means that Jesus is here to accomplish your will. Jesus doesn't walk with me, I walk with him. He's the master, I'm the servant. Too many times Christianity today has the theory of Jesus walking with us. So we claim his help, his favor, and his blessing over our own ideas, our own plans, and our own ambitions. And we come in and say, God, bless what I'm doing. I stopped praying that way a long time ago, and I started praying, God, don't bless what I'm doing. Help me to learn to do what you're blessing, because you're not here to walk with me. I'm here to walk with you. You're the leader. I'm the follower. You're the master. I'm the servant. I don't pick the road. You pick the road. I don't set the tone. You set the tone. I don't come up with the idea. You come up with the idea. I don't decide. You decide, and you make it known to me. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to follow you. And so much of the preaching I hear today is geared right toward that. Just go ahead and do what you want to do in life, and Jesus will go with you. Let me tell you something. If you're going to walk with Jesus, you're going to walk his path, not yours. And he's going to lead, and you're going to follow, not the other way around. You're not going to lead him into the things that you want. He will lead you into the things that he wills. Understand, we are called to walk with him, to follow. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just believing that he's the son of God. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just attending a worship service or doing good deeds. Being a follower of Jesus is more than just saying an occasional prayer when we're in trouble. Being a follower of Jesus is a passionate pursuit. 
It's the drive to daily experience his presence and live in the center of his will. It is the engaging of God every day in worship and in prayer. It's a longing, a drive, a passion to be in his presence and to be obedient to his will. Let me ask those of you who are married. Do you remember what it was like pursuing your mate? Anybody? <laughs> I don't know how you got married without it. I pursued mine. I chased her till she caught me. I did. People ask me how we got together. And here's my patented response. I was the best thing she had going on a bad day. <laughs> Timing's everything, gentlemen, just so you know. You got to know when to show up, when to hold them, when to fold them. You know what I'm talking about? So, <laughs> but I pursued her. And I didn't take no for an answer. Does that sound familiar, Pastor Blake? Maybe you really are a son after all. <laughs> I pursued. And you know what? Marriages break down when you quit pursuing one another. When you start taking one another for granted and stop doing the things that brings value to the other person. I mean, there's nothing I wouldn't spend or do to win her favor and bring her heart joy because I wanted to be in her presence. Understand that marriages don't break down when people start doing the things they shouldn't. They break down when they quit doing the things they should. When they stop doing the things they committed to do in that covenant, to love, honor, and cherish, to have and to hold, to be there to support. When they stop doing those things, that's where unfaithfulness starts. It may end up going out and doing something you're not supposed to do, but it always begins with failing to do what you are supposed to do. And it's so much the same way in walking with Jesus. The relationship begins to break down when we quit doing the things we know we committed to do, and that is to pursue him. See, Jesus constantly pursues us, and he's done everything, invested everything to prove his love for us, and that is but an example to us of how we should pursue Jesus. We should pursue him with the passion with which we have been pursued. I want to encourage you each and every day, passionately pursue the presence of Jesus in your life. Make it the number one thing you go after. If nothing else works in your life, make sure that one thing works. Are you hearing me today? Because Jesus is first, and he cannot occupy any other place in your life. The old preacher would say, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Put him first on your calendars including gathering to worship on Sundays before you go to the ball game. Got news for you all. Titans are playing today. I know that. And I'm just pleased at how full this church is this morning, how full the parking lot is. Guess what? The Titans may win and they may lose. But if you know Jesus, winning is all you're going to know. You might get beat up along the way. You might lose a quarter, but you won't lose the game. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You might get behind, but you're always a victor before you ever step on the field. And while the Titans, they may not be in heaven. If they know Jesus, people on that team will be in heaven. But they won't be playing football in heaven. But guess what? Jesus is going to be in heaven. Jesus is going to be there. And that means I want to put him first even on ball game day. All y'all clapping and thinking about the people that ain't here right now. 
That's judgmental right there. I just want to tell you. I don't care if you go to the lake on Sunday or if you go to watch the football game on Sunday. Just come to church first. Just put him first. And guess what? I'm only saying that to establish a pattern because Jesus should only be first on the days that end in Y. The rest of them are yours. You can do with them what you want. But if the day ends in Y, Jesus should be first. You know what that means? That means the only Bible you get and the only worship you get is not on Sunday. Because it's not only a passionate pursuit, it's an endless education. To be one's disciple means that we study, understand, and adhere to the teachings of the one who is our leader. That's why putting Jesus first includes Bible study. Reading the Word, because the words and teachings of Jesus are found in the Holy Scripture. That's what we call the Bible in today's culture. Listen, <laughs> we begin to study His teachings and learn how to apply them to our living. That's why right now on Wednesday nights, we're going through discipleship nights. There are groups getting together to passionately pursue Jesus and to have a disciplined time of study in the Word of God. I encourage you, if you are not dead and you are breathing and not in the hospital or in jail, make sure that you come out on a Wednesday night and join a group. It's part of putting Jesus first. And if you can't get here, it's time to pull out your Bible yourself and your home and get in the Word of God and get the Word of God into you because being a follower of Jesus means we understand and we live by His teaching. <laughs> to truly be a follower of Jesus is for His presence and His truth to transform our lives so much that we become a reflection of Jesus in the earth. To truly be a follower of Jesus means he's the center of our life, our whole life. His will is our weight, and his truth is our foundation for everything. Now, let me speak to something that's very popular among Christians today, and that is compartmentalization. You know what that is? Let me apply it to the Christian. This is my faith life. This is my family life. This is my work life. This is my social life. This is my private life. And for some reason, divine truth only seems to apply to my faith life. But I want you to understand something. There's no compartmentalization in following Jesus. He's first in my faith life. He's first in my family life. He's first in my work life. He's first in my social life. And he's first in my private life. Putting Jesus first means we put him first in public and in private. We honor his word when people are watching and when people are not watching. We put him first in our family life as we pray with our family and we com communicate to our family that Jesus is honored above all things in this family. He is most precious and most dear. We put him first in our decisions, praying for his guidance in every venture, big or small. We put him first on our calendars, making time to daily pursue him in relationship. We put him first in our finances, honoring him with our wealth. Listen, here's what I've learned about that. All that I am and all that I have is at his disposal because I don't own any of it. He owns all of it. I am but the steward he's chosen to oversee it, and I must carry out his will with it. We put him first in our hearts because we accept his lordship in our lives. 
That's where we all start. And by accepting his lordship in our life, that begins a lifestyle of putting Jesus first. Maybe you need to start there today and just surrender your life to his lordship. Maybe you could use a restart there today. You put Jesus first at one time in your life, but lately all you've been pursuing is what you want and your own desires. And Jesus says, no, I can't be any thing but first he can occupy no other place for he is first among all things i want you to stand with me i'd like for our prayers to come i'm going to ask pastor blake to come and give you a very simple invitation to put jesus first in your life as the prayers are making their way down with every head bowed and every eye closed I believe that the message today, although it's simple, put Jesus first, can mean many different things to us. For some of us, maybe it's just simply accepting him as our Lord and personal Savior. For some, maybe it needs to be a sort of rededication where, where I, I, I have known him and I've met him, but maybe I haven't made him Lord of my life. I'm not putting him first in every aspect of my life. For some, maybe it's just gotten busy and lost in the busyness of culture and the busyness of our job and the busyness of a family and the busyness, just, just something has gotten in the way of an intentional one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus. I think all of us could fall into any of those categories. I know I found myself in a repentant mindset, realizing that there's times in my life that I haven't put him first. There's areas of my life where I've sought the advice from friends or I've sought the advice from counsel without even acknowledging the one who ultimately knows the answer. And so for each of us, these prayers are here for you to just come and have a time of repentance. As a church repents, God opens up his arms and he he is willing to pick us up exactly where we are. Thanks for joining us today at Generation Changers Church. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. GC can now be your home church no matter where you live with GC Church Online. Watch weekly messages wherever you are with family and friends. Join our online family today by texting the word online to 615-488-7151. And let's do life together. If you would like more information, please visit gcchurch.tv. And special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or texting the word GIVE to 615-375-4286 or by going to gcchurch.tv and clicking the GIVE tab. God bless you and we'll see you next week.